the question was asked to describe your ideal work environment. And uh, they said, uh, toes in the sand at a beach. And it wasn't an opportunity to hire for a lifeguard. So, <laughs> so, so it's, it was a remote, they wanted to work remotely. Are you a business leader looking for strategies and tactics to help you navigate leadership and HR challenges as you scale? Each week on While We Were Working, we bring you our 35 plus years of experience doing exactly this for companies just like yours. For more game-changing HR and leadership insights and to connect with us, check us out at whilewewereworking.com. Hey, what's going on? And thank you for tuning in to episode 54 of the While We Were Working show. I'm Joey Price, founder of Jumpstart HR, where we provide HR services for small businesses and startups all across the U.S., and as always, I'm joined by our awesome co-host, Summer Keechon, who's our consulting practice manager here at Jumpstart. We've got a really great episode for you this week. We're going to talk about supply and demand for remote jobs, and we're going to give some advice on what to do if you lead a small team where people want to grow, but there aren't a lot of opportunities for upward mobility. This sounds like a really great show, Summer, but before we get started, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Joey. It's, uh, you know, really crazy to think that we're approaching the end of the year and we've had so many great episodes this year, but, uh, you know, there's still so much to talk about in uh, the people leader and business space. I'm looking forward to the year to come, but I'm so curious, how have you been? How was your holiday? Uh, my holidays were great. Uh, spent it with family. Also snuck in some uh, family photos for the upcoming Christmas card. So, uh, and it was a lot of doing nothing. So I, I I don't know how I made it through without being busy. But it was good rest, good time with family, great food, and uh, you know it was it was a good time. I love that. Well, you know, before you know it, another year is going to be behind us. Uh, but, you know, definitely always looking forward to the year ahead. So I know we've got some great topics to chat about. Are you ready to get into it? Yes. Let's go ahead and jump into while we're working. And Summer, can you set up? Uh, today, we're going to talk about an article that's actually in the Seattle Times uh, back on November 27th. And uh, it's in the business section. It's called The Great Mismatch. Remote jobs are in demand, but positions are drying up. And Joey, you know, we've talked quite a bit over uh, almost the last year now, and we've seen so much change in the talent acquisition space, um, even just in that period of time. I thought this would be, you know, definitely a timely topic uh, to kind of update everybody on what's happening in the market. Yeah, an interesting stat in the uh, article said that while there are every while there are two job openings for every one person uh, for on-site work, there are actually two applicants per job opening for remote work, and so it's almost like an economy within an economy where you have the supply and demand. As you know, our unemployment rate is relatively low. So there's opportunity out there to find a position, right? 
But if you if you niche down into the remote work opportunities, there's just more uh, demand than supply, and so people are hitting that friction a little bit. Uh, we're in the we're we are hiring. Uh, so if anyone's an HR pro, a recruiter, you know you could work with us and do so remotely. But that's kind of the market right now. Is that that for many reasons that I'm sure we'll get into. The remote work opportunities aren't as widespread available as the in-person ones. Yeah, I think you know that is a really fascinating stat that you mentioned, Joey, because we've seen this like you know we've we've seen this grow. Um, you know, we've seen it become almost the norm, and now we're seeing you know a shift in a quite a bit different direction. But I think the important note in that stat that you mentioned is that the gap between demand for jobs and the supply of workers for those on-site positions is now four times higher than it is for remote work. So just let that sink in for a minute. Yeah. I mean, you know, this time last year, or for sure this time two years ago, remote work was all the rage. But now... Um, things are different. I think that more employers are either doing a soft push or that hard mandate to come back into the office. And so there are just going to be more more opportunities since there's more folks looking to want to go back into the office. You know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, when we were talking about this uh, just a couple of months ago, uh, you know, we were having conversations about things that small businesses might be able to do to uh, attract more talent, right? Because the war for talent was so fierce. And one of the suggestions that we had was, you know, if you're not currently offering remote work and you can, and you've, you know, really held off on doing it up until this point, uh, that that's definitely something to consider doing. And I think this is just another testament to the same that, you know, there is such a demand for these remote jobs. And now the supply is becoming smaller. If you're, again, still competing for that top talent, uh, you know, I think one of the takeaways from this article is that you're going to have a much larger talent pool to draw from. So I, I think that's the nugget of info um, that I took away. But I was really actually surprised to see that as companies are having team members come back into the office, that there's still so much of a strong demand for those remote positions. You know, I thought that um, there was going to be a segment of population who was looking forward to getting back into the office. I think that's still true, uh, but I did I didn't expect such a shift to actually stick. Like I think what we're seeing now. Yeah, and I think it has to do with the um, once an employee has seen better, I think they they want better for themselves and. Um, I won't give a value judgment of whether in-person is better than um, remote for every person. I think there are different folks who thrive in different environments and obviously different jobs that require different environments. But for those who have experienced maybe the uh, fully work from home or the hybrid environment and they got a taste of it and now that has been disrupted. Yeah, I mean, I, I talk to my friends all the time who are like, man, you couldn't you couldn't pay me to go into the office anymore because <laughs> they have appreciated being able to remote in and work with their colleagues over over video chat and collaboration tools. So 
it'll be an interesting sort of micro economy that that plays itself out and just makes it one more uh one more variable to the whole talent attraction and retention you know puzzle that we as employers are are always just just navigating Something that comes to mind for me, Joey, is when we think about the supply and demand and it taking longer for individuals to land the job that they're looking for. You know, I, I can't help but think that there's a segment who really can't wait that long. And while their end goal is ultimately to land a remote job, you know, they can only hold off for so long. So, I, you know, I do have a little bit of concern you know, thinking about this from, you know, a very high level that folks may be accepting jobs just in the short term to get them by until they can land that remote job that's ultimately what they're looking for. So if, you know, I was an employer who was requiring in-person work um, and hiring right now, I think that's going to be something really important to vet out as much as you can during that interview process. Like, what is somebody's motivations for wanting to work in person, yeah. especially if they've been working remote? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I actually um, was a part of an interview today and someone, the question was asked to describe your ideal work environment. And uh, they said, uh, toes in the sand at a beach. And it wasn't an opportunity to hire for a lifeguard. So, <laughs> so, so, it's it was a remote they wanted to work remotely and i think that that is going to continue to be a desire of a lot of people's uh career trajectory is if they're not in that job today you know dream job used to mean um a certain salary a certain title uh certain perks but i think now dream job includes uh being able to choose where you work uh for for most people i would say for most people I agree. And, you know, again, we've we've talked so much about, you know, the competitive advantage and the war for talent. And, you know, I, I think part of what's driving this, of course, is the economy, right? There's been a bit of shift in control where it was, you know, it previously was a candidate's, a candidate's market, you know, and now it's very much an employer's market. You know, you're not seeing those same hiring bonuses you're not seeing those same aggressive salaries and you know you're seeing companies that may have previously said yes to a remote employee saying no we need you in the office or we need you hybrid so it's interesting to see that shift and there's no doubt uh, that it has to do with you know what's changing in our economy it's kind of a change in control yeah. um, in terms of talent acquisition as well yeah so let's make this practical for two audiences. Um, one for the small business leader. I think we've kind of dropped uh, some direct advice. But what advice would you give to a small business business leader who's navigating this climate of remote work? And then uh, the next phase would be the HR pro who is leading in an organization that's looking to attract talent. Um, what are your What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'd say for the small business leader, you know, it's it's important to make um, the right decisions for your company, not only in today's market, uh, but, you know, what's going to work for you a year from now and ideally, you know, three plus years from now. I think, you know, sometimes when uh, it's a small business, it's easy to be thinking in the now. 
but you know, I think we need to be looking at how quickly the talent market has changed in just a year and mm -hmm. expect that it can do just the same. So, you know, think about the hires that you need today, um, those that you can bring on your team um, to, you know, help carry you to that next stage that you need to be in. And then on the flip side, you know, just being mindful of any sort of reductions in staff. I think we've covered that on, you know, recent episodes, but I think it's just not being in a state of panic and making decisions in the now, uh, but really just being thoughtful on like where you're recruiting, who you're recruiting, and what you're able to offer now and sustain in the future um, to help you level up your business through, you know, all different economies. Yeah, it's the continual uh, chase of what's what's needed now and then what will help future-proof your operation. Mm -hmm. that, Absolutely. That, that's what uh, keeps us keeps us waking up in the morning is uh, chasing after the moving target of uh, the, the business climate and the climate of um, employees and, and their desires and where that, that common ground is for for folks who want to stay enrolled. In, in Let's go ahead and, and, and transition, I think, over to our consultant's corner. And as always, this episode is brought to you by Jumpstart. Uh, we provide HR services for small businesses and startups across the U.S., if you find that your organization could benefit from whether it's an employee handbook or leadership or disc assessment coaching or uh, ongoing day-to-day -day HR administration, uh, reach out to us over at jumpstart-hr.com and we'd be happy to talk with you with a free 15-minute consult. All right. Uh, this week's consultant corner where we hear about life in the trenches as an HR consultant. The question is, uh, how do I keep my small team growing in their career when there aren't many upward positions available? So this uh, came in and the question is something that a lot of small businesses face, right? Like there's only but so many leadership opportunities. There's only so many members on staff. How do you how do you keep people engaged? How do you keep people growing? And so, um, uh, Summer, I'll let you take first shot at this one to give your thoughts, and then I'll circle back with some some things I have in mind. Certainly. Well, I love that we received this question because I think it's uh, it's something that all businesses, all people leaders, should be thinking about. But we know they're so busy that. Um, oftentimes, you know, we were just talking about kind of that planning ahead. There's just not always that much time to it. So this question tells me that, you know, this person's thinking about what can I do to retain my team and keep them happy. And that is a really important factor in retention. So, you know, I've worked in large, like ex enormous organizations and really small teams where it's this is a this is a regular challenge you know you've got maybe one person who's in you know the senior level role maybe they're a vp or a director and then you have maybe just one two or just a few who are more like hands on in the trenches day to day and that gap to get from like the day to day to that more senior role like feels impossible and it can be discouraging for team members because they may feel like, well, like 
the position I'm in is the position I'm in. I'll never be in that role. So the only way to grow is to leave. And that's like, <laughs> no, <laughs> mm -hmm, <laughs> that's mm -hmm. what we want to try to avoid. So I think this is definitely a challenge that all companies face in like to one degree or another. Um, but it's something that all companies should have a plan for. Yeah. And it really boils down to, and I think we've mentioned this on a, on a recent show is, you know, thinking about the career journey of a team member and how to keep them engaged and excited about the work that's that's in front of them today and, and the opportunity to have different work in the future. So I, I like to think about staying in a role um, as getting like reps, right? So like getting reps. Um, I went to the gym yesterday, uh, a, a live gym for the first time in a long time. Um, and, you know, there were machines there where you don't get stronger just by doing some uh, some reps. You get stronger by doing a lot of reps with many different sets. Thinking about getting stronger and building a great foundation of your knowledge of your current role is is incredibly important. And when you get more reps, you get more variety. You get more uh, complexity. You get to uh, challenge different things about your approach. Um, and if you have a great manager, you get to even get some feedback on on how you're doing in the different areas. So I um, I have been in small business for almost my entire career, but I find that um, joy in your profession isn't always just about elevation. It's about, you know, it, it does the does the team, do we have a mission that we can believe in? Do I have a great relationship with my manager? Uh, am I developing into the professional that I would hope to have become? Uh, and then are there opportunities for growth and development that might mean either cross-training or upskilling or whatever the case may be? And that doesn't have to be, uh, you know, going into a new position. But it could also mean having different tiers uh, within a role. So, for example, accountant one, accountant two, accountant three. Those are some of the things that uh, you could do to to, to uh, improve um, the employee experience if there isn't, you know, opportunities to get into a, a leadership position. I really enjoyed so much of what you said there, Joey. I feel like there was so many nuggets of info buried in that because I think when it comes to um, elevating in one's career and what equates to job satisfaction, aka to retention, it isn't always upward. Now, I think, you know, if you were to ask folks maybe 15, 20 years ago, there was this concept that like you had to move up on the ladder, right, to be more successful. But I think now there's a much broader understanding that depth in role and other factors um, also equate to, you know, kind of that definition of um, success and happiness. And, you know, we help small companies with this, even if they're just, you know, uh, a team who's like less, you know, like less than five. I, I think about a, 
a couple clients specifically that we worked on career paths for. And it wasn't that they necessarily had all of these roles today, but they had a foundational team and they wanted to make sure that that team understood that uh, there was a future for them at the company and what that looked like, like what the measures of success and you know, what that experience requirement looked like so that they could stay focused on if that was the direction they wanted to go. They had an understanding of what they, like the gap that they would need to fill in order to travel there. And I thought that that was really wise um, because they are looking to grow, um, but it's going to probably be steady. And it was really important for them to retain and continue to develop the team that they had over time. Yeah. As you were talking, it was super organic, so I don't even know if it's going to show up on film, but uh, I I have this book that was given to me as a gift, and it's called Range uh, by David Epstein, and it's uh, a New York Times best number one bestseller, Why Generalists Triumph in a Specialized World, and I think about that, especially in the small business context where, you know, being in a small team it's actually a great opportunity to build some diverse uh, skills from the seat that you're in, because then you have a, a more holistic view of whether the, the business challenges that you all solve uh, at, from an organizational standpoint or uh, within your department or whatever the case may be. And so I'll drop a link to the, the book if you're interested. Uh, it's called Range. And um uh yeah it's a it's a new york times bestseller it's still selling off the charts i think i got this book in 2019 but malcolm gladwell said he he loves this book so if you're a fan of malcolm then he's uh he's vouching for it but um yeah i i think that there's a lot you can do um if you are a leader of a small team to uh grow your team um without having to or without the opportunity to place people into into new into new roles not everybody wants you know a next layer of leadership i think that we just assume that everyone who is good at what they do they they want to be promoted into a leadership role some people would love to just be good at what they do and stay that way um, throughout their throughout their role whether that's as an independent contributor or a team player um, think about, you know, if you have a really good, a really good, um, you know, baker, right? Like, are you going to say, all right, now you're a really good baker. Now run the restaurant, right? <laughs> well, you, you may not want to run the restaurant. You may want to just be able to perfect the different aspects of, of baking or, or make different things as a baker. And so, um, I think that we assume that people want, the, the the responsibility of leadership without having the conversation to say, hey, what would be a meaningful next step for you? Is it to learn more skills? Is it to develop the uh, tools in your toolkit for your current role? Or is it a leadership opportunity? Um, because as you know, um, even that's a different discipline. And uh, most people aren't trained for the discipline of management. You're so right. And when I think about the conversations that I've had with, you know, various executives at a wide variety of companies about, you know, specific things that they can do 
in this regard. Uh, it does start with having that conversation and understanding what is it that your team members would value and what is it that they would gain the most satisfaction from. It's different for every person. And some want to be pushed, some don't. And you talk about uh, those folks that are experts within their role who don't want to go anywhere else. Those are essential to your organization. Those are the folks I, I call them keep in position. You need a chunk of your talent in that space because you can't develop everybody to the same you know, manager or upward level. And so some of the things, just to kind of give some examples of what leaders can do, depending on their organization, is first starting with that conversation, finding out what is it that your team member wants to accomplish. Then you can start thinking about how is, you know, how do I make that happen? Is that possible within my organization? Some of the things that can help build uh, skills are cross-functional teams gaining exposure to other functions that they wouldn't otherwise have exposure to. And then that whole concept of being a generalist. Uh, Joey, a number of years ago, I was building a team from very early career entry level skill set. And so I found these folks that were just really eager to learn anything. Um, and who just had the enthusiasm that just could not, you know, like did not quit. And what we ultimately ended up doing was placing folks where we, like the company had a need at that time, like we hired for a role and we trained them on everything that they needed in that area of HR. And then when they became proficient, we just moved everybody around. It was kind of like a clock. We just switched seats. So now one person who was, like the coordinator for compliance was now working on leave of absence. The person on leave of absence then went over to benefit. So it was slowly kind of turning the dial and moving folks into a slightly different area where they could then build that generalist knowledge. And after a few years, many of them, they did outgrow the company. Um, and, you know, that's always kind of a tough place to be. But, you know, that during that time, uh, the company and and the team was really happy with you know what we were doing and sometimes you do have to you know you do have to see the team onto their next position um you know if we're going to continue developing the talent um you know there's unfortunately just not always a space for everybody at the level in which they're rising yeah yeah and and i mean the the reality is no one uh People don't stay in roles or at organizations forever, but uh, if your goal is to retain and um, grow and, and have people become better uh, at their role than when they joined, I love that idea of rotating teams and building out capacity in different ways because then you have that, that cross mentorship or that peer mentorship of like, hey, I know you just had this role. Uh, I've got this challenge. What would you do if, if you were in my position? And um, I just think that's that's a great approach to, to talent development is to um, let the students become the teachers. And, uh, and then you oversee and make sure that, uh, you know, everything stays on the rails. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, so we're, we're, we're coming up to the end of the episode here, but we wanted to make sure that we covered all bases on these these topics that we covered today. 
if we miss something, though, I want to hear from you. So let's continue the conversation on our socials. You can find us uh, across the web at Jumpstart HR. You can reach out and send an email, whether you want us to answer an upcoming Consultants Corner question. You can do uh, hello at jumpstart-hr.com or ping us on social media. And if you like this episode, make sure you give it a five-star review. If you're watching it on YouTube, hit that like and subscribe button. And uh, we'll see you for the next episode. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with your friends and coworkers. And as always, you can find more info and additional resources at whilewewereworking.com. We